0: Hey kiddo, how was the hell? Did you learn anything? Yeah, that ripping pow induces spontaneous joy. The Icon Pass lets you do you at 50 destinations worldwide from 249 Adult. Drop in for next winter now and save at <laughs> IconPass.com. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts, and of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, I, double I dot com. Hey guys, this week we have a few announcements for you all. We are just coming off of an incredible event Yesterday, uh, we had Jessica Wong from TikTok come on and um, we had this incredible event all about TikTok. We asked her really great questions. She was super candid, such a great guest. So thank you to Jessica for coming on. Um, This just really cemented that we are absolutely going to keep having more digital events because you ladies are absolutely showing up, asking such good questions, and have such enthusiasm about our events. So we're going to continue. We have one next week. Uh, This is the last week in July about a diversity discussion. That one I'm personally really excited about. We have three incredible panelists all to give their own perspectives on representation presenting and having always focused on women of color. And the last bit of events, not to be forgotten, and just running through the summer only are our Work Fam Jams. So these are incredible networking opportunities taking place every other summer Friday online so you can still feel like you're networking with people considering we're all quarantined inside and it's really difficult to meet people like we were before. So whether you're a social butterfly and like itching to connect with more women in the industry or you're like, oh, this is not my forte and I love quarantine, (laughs) but I should meet more people. Either scenario, this is the perfect event for you. We've had really, really great connections made and one thing that I get so much fulfillment out of is just connecting incredible women with each other because I so strongly believe that together we can do even better work than we would by ourselves. Uh, So yeah, so RSCP, all of our events, you can go to iamwim.com slash events and WIM is double I. We will link all of those, of course, in the show notes of this episode. Don't miss out. I want to see your face. Ali Grant launched Be Social in 2011 as one of the first agencies executing integrated influencer outreach and collaboration. Today, the communications group is headquartered in Los Angeles, specializing in digital forward campaigns for lifestyle, wellness, and beauty brands and talent. With Ali at the helm, Be Social has been named one of Inc.'s fastest growing businesses, spearheading influencer campaigns. Accolade, speaking engagements, and press include PR Week, Forbes, Huffington Post, and many, many more. Besides her accolades, we are really proud of the work that she's been doing for the past almost 10 years in the space, She knows what it is to grow a business as a small business owner herself. She started very young in the space, and she's got incredible clients and a business to show for it. We have a lot to learn from her, and so we're excited to welcome Allie to the podcast today.
1: Allie, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Um, Tell everybody, where are you quarantining at? (laughs) Yeah, I am
2: in West Hollywood in Los Angeles, California. So. Not going to our office each day, working at home on my dining table. So lucky I get to work. So I'm thankful in that regard. But it's a lot of like juggling. I was saying there was someone told me this It's like, you're not um working at home, you're living at work. And that's totally how I feel right now.
1: So it's then, kind of hard to like, you know, separate the two. Oh, my gosh. And so like, what are you doing to try to separate the two? Because I feel you on that.
2: Um, I have not done much. I literally have my computers and my screens and all my stuff set up on my dining table. I think I need to move into a bedroom or something to separate it because like, I can see the kitchen, the couch, like it's just so... It's a bit distracting and it all is like jumbling together. So it's not great.
1: For sure. We're all just trying to do the best that we can, right? Like Yes. Exactly. No, no one could have predicted, like, there's no way to have prepared for this. This this didn't even seem possible to have no. been going on just a few months ago. Um, um, it's crazy. I had just
2: literally like gotten my dream office. I was so excited about it. We had Find a lease like June of last year I think so we hadn't even been in our office for a year yet and then in March we all had to go home so we've like been at home longer than we have actually used our office space so it's oh a bit
1: I know <laughs> that, like, hurts. Yeah, that hurts that hurts yeah like and you know it's something magical having been you know having had this company of yours for as mm-hmm. long as you have just being able to like experience those milestones and so i can only imagine how much of a milestone that was mm-hmm. um but let's let's sort of start at the beginnings for you you know we we heard a little bit about you in the intro um everyone just wants to hear from your own words in your own words like just Talk to us, everyone listening a little bit more about you know how you arrived at influencer marketing in the first place, and just mm-hmm. a little bit about your professional journey to where you are today, yeah, definitely. um so I kind of started out first job
2: working in social media. I feel like it was the start of it. I'd taken a few courses in college, but it was so new then, um, and that was my kind of first endeavor into this world, so but that was much more on the social media side. So at that point, we were working with Facebook and Twitter. Um, and then from there, we started working on affiliate programming. And I was on it. I was in an agency in San Diego is where I kind of got this experience. Um, and that part was so interesting to me. So we were reaching out to what we called bloggers at the time. And feeding them products. So we were working with like a range of different brands. Jack Rogers was one of them. So we were sending out their shoes to very like southern mommy bloggers, um, and having them post about it and using unique promo codes. And the results we saw for these brands on their e-commerce sites was just so enticing to me. We were seeing sales go through the roof. And I found this type of marketing so interesting because I had a bit of experience doing more editorial, traditional PR, um, where, you know, you saw the same thing, right? You got a placement and then you see an uptick in web traffic or sales or, you know, interest in your brand. And so we are seeing this in such like a niche capacity. We're able to target these influencers, what well, we call them bloggers, um, send them product, get them to post about it. They're creating content, creating links, creating traffic and interest for these brands. I was like, I love this. This is so cool. This is taking what I loved about social media, which was so digital and new and exciting. And also the editorial background that I had where incorporating writing and pitching and all of that. So I kind of just fell in love with it. And I loved how it impacted these brands. Um, and so I was doing that for a bit. Um, that company kind of took a different pivot. And so I sort of had this unique opportunity to continue doing that on my own. Um, so at the time I was like, you know what, I'm going to try and do this. I'm going to consult for brands and help them primarily with their influencer blogger outreach. Um, so I did just that. I got one of my first clients is like kind of like a side hustle, helping them on the side open, um, a handful of was fitness studios. Um, we were getting mommy bloggers there and editors there and really just kind of snowballed from there. Um, and then today, Be Social, we do a handful of things. Um, majority influencer marketing. We do some editorial events pre-COVID. Um, and then we do talent management. So I kind of took the experience of working on the brand side with influencers, um, onto working with influencers direct and we help kind of manage their careers 360. So monetizing their platforms, uh, growing their socials all across
1: the board. So that's where we are today. That's awesome. And, you know, that's quite the journey. I feel like there are so many different areas that you've like touched on. And um, I'd love to sort of hear your take on ultimately becoming an entrepreneur that you are today and helping fellow entrepreneurs because that's what influencers are absolutely at the end of the day. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, being able to like help them have like different revenue streams, run their businesses efficiently and effectively, like Mm -hmm. If you could describe like what a a, sort of like a secret sauce to being Mm -hmm. a successful entrepreneur looks like, what would you Mm -hmm. say? Oh, man, that's a difficult one. I think
2: at the end of the day, you need to have passion and hustle because I think that's what keeps you going. You know, being an entrepreneur is difficult, especially if you start a business at a young age where you don't have tons of experience. You're going to make tons of mistakes that set you back and make you feel frustrated and upset. So what keeps me going when I get into those pickles (laughs) is just being passionate and like having a hustle and, you know, this line of work excites me. So any challenge in front of me, I'm able to conquer because I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. So that's kind of the one, the first thing I'll ask someone when they're looking to start a business or you know try something new. It's like, are you passionate? Can you you know see yourself doing this literally twenty four seven? Because going out and doing your own hustle is not going to be less work. It's going to be a lot more work um, than your nine to five that you might have
1: now, for sure. And so like, let's dive into that a little bit. You know, <laughs> but just whether you're the entrepreneur or whether you're working for a company you know, in the influencer space in particular, especially like living that agency life, it's very real to have Mm -hmm. burnout and to work yourself to the bone. Um, It's a huge topic of discussion amongst the women and WIM about, Mm -hmm. you know, work-life balance and like not to burn out because they do love the industry so much and they want to remain healthy and happy and have longevity. So, Talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, sometimes it's hard to practice what you preach. I'll speak personally yeah. and say hey, that. I'm like, yeah, girl, mm-hmm. do this, do that. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't necessarily do it myself. Like, what what have you found that actually works for you? Or mm-hmm. do you thrive off of that energy and you just like, you love working 24-7? What is <laughs> it like to you? Yeah, I definitely at the early
2: stages of my business was 24-7, mm-hmm. literally. like. I sacrificed a lot personally. Um, I think I took a toll on my anxiety and my mental health. And I, I think I worked myself to the bone. Like it was in an unhealthy capacity. Um, and as the company has grown, I've been able to hire, you know, employees who are far more experienced than me and know more. And, you know, I'm in a much better place now. Um, but I think, you know, what really allowed me to feel this way was, delegating and letting go and learning to say no, I was always saying yes to literally everything and not realizing the consequences of saying yes. You know, taking a project at a smaller fee and burning out myself and my entire team, like that's not a long term strategy. So learning to say no was a really hard one for me because I felt like, oh, if I say no to this, will i ever get it again. But Saying no actually opens doors to bigger opportunities down the line because you can free your time, your mind, you can feel better. So I think there's a lot in learning to say no and helping that kind of with your work-life balance. And today, I I really I make a concerted effort to shut down work, not look at my email. I used to be such – like I'd bring my laptop into bed at night And, like, I would be on it until 1 a.m., 2 a.m., just, like, sitting there. Like, that is just so unhealthy. Even just that, like, blue light, like, you know, that affects your sleep. And, like, it's just you don't turn your mind off. And I think when you get into that pattern of not sleeping well and then you're maybe not working out the next day and, you know, not eating well, like, it's such a bad pattern to get into. So learning to shut off early and not taking that work into a sacred place like your bedroom or your bed,
1: I think is really important, too. Yeah. I mean, setting boundaries is what I am hearing, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, I think it's setting boundaries, you know, if you work for somebody else, perhaps setting boundaries there. But it also sounds Mm -hmm. like it's like setting boundaries for yourself and Mm -hmm. holding yourself accountable to those things. Um, Because if you simply make a rule for yourself, we're like, all right, like, no electronics in the bedroom. Um, yeah. like no computer time after like, you know, I don't know, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. Cause the thing is like in quarantine, there is so much more room for all of that to go out the window. Um, oh, yeah. and there's this like bizarre expectation that everyone's available 24 seven. It's strange, and, mm-hmm. It's strange, right? And like that nothing, nothing changed. Mm-hmm. Like we're still human beings. In fact, like everybody knows that we're working harder these days, just because it's, it's sort of inevitable, like without the commute, without, you know, downtime. Um, and so you almost need that recharge much more than ever before. Um, what, what about, you know, your team, you know, you're in a incredible position where, you know, you've got people working for you. Um, Mm -hmm you know, describe your team and, you know, some Mm -hmm. of the, some of the things that really works well for you and your team and the way you guys work together. Yeah. And this has been such a journey for
2: me. Like, I think this was, you know, one of my bigger lessons and, you know, starting a business is like, I, I understood influencer marketing and I got that and that excited me. And I was so into that, but I had no real tangible management experience. And I think in the beginning years of my business, that was so, such a hard thing to learn and absorb. And being a good manager does not come naturally for me. So working hard on that, reading, educating myself. So it's certainly been a journey and, um, I've learned a lot along the way. Um, but I guess with working, you know, for our team now, especially during quarantine is just communication. I mean, we're always on Slack. We have. You know, weekly all hands meetings. We have tons of like video conferencing with each individual teams. Like we really try and stay as connected as possible because it's definitely felt the fact that we're all not in the office together.
1: Um, that so that beautiful, beautiful office, yeah. Unfortunate, that <laughs> Unfortunately, be- that you will that you will be back in soon. Yes, you know, I know, I know, I don't know how soon, but yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it's crazy because so cool. I know you know California opened and now they're you know closing again, but yeah. you know uh, mm-hmm. it's, it is only a matter of time. Like I do yes. hope that we're on the other side of things. I know, um, me too. And and so with your team, um, you know, I I'd love to get real. Like you were saying, you know, I've learned a lot along the way. It's not something that we're, you're naturally necessarily that, that like, that's not your your first instinct is to be a fantastic mm-hmm. manager. You didn't come with all those skills built in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's an interesting thing. I don't know if you're familiar with, like, Google's management practices, but they have this really interesting philosophy and in how they implement their managers. Mm-hmm. And so the way that they run is they recognize that, like, just because you are just because you're gaining seniority in the company Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily, and and usually that equates to a management role as you, you know, escalate along the ranks, Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have management skills though. And so some people who are really senior should actually just be in more operational roles or more sales roles, um, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that they have the seniority that they do. Because it is, it's like such a specific skill set to have these incredible, incredible management abilities. Um, So, but, you know, as an entrepreneur, sometimes you don't have that luxury, right? Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) As you grow, you need a team to be able to support you and the the company's growth. So what are some of the things that you've learned along the way? You know, if people Mm -hmm. are in the same boat as you and, you know, they're like, I'm great at all these things and I've got something here but I got to get my act together because management isn't my forte, but I got to become a great manager. Like what would you tell them that you've learned yourself? Yeah. I
2: think one of the first things I wish I had done was created more clear hierarchy within our organization. So like in the early days when it was like, even just three or four of us, you know, there should have been some sort of, you know, buffer or like management role kind of underneath me because, When the entrepreneur and founder is the one like also delegating and leading the entire team, I feel like every little stressor that I felt, every like challenge that I was put in front of, like the entire team felt there was no buffer between that. So when I was stressed, they were stressed. And so it just wasn't a good working environment. So I wish there had been a true buffer, like my right hand person right underneath to, I guess, you know, be the go between. Um, so not all of that stress, not all of those stressors were felt by the team. Um, and as we grew, like making it clear who reports to who and um, you know, just, I guess, having a better, clearer hierarchy within the organization, like an org chart, as simple as it sounds. Um, but when you're an entrepreneur and you're moving a million miles per second, like you sometimes don't even think about putting something like that together, especially if you hadn't had real management HR experience. Um, I think another thing too is having an HR point. Uh, even if that isn't in-house, a consultant, that is extremely important for your staff to have someone they can conf- confide in. It took me a long time to realize that, you know, it's like, I didn't understand why a certain employee wouldn't want to tell me certain things that about their manager that was making them feel uncomfortable. Cause that wasn't the, I wasn't the right person to tell that to. There should have been a clear HR role for them to talk to about that. Um, and then just absorbing, learning. Like, I wish I had a mentor, truly. I did not have one. And mostly because I was afraid to ask. There was a handful of people that I looked up to who had agencies who were in the industry. And I wish I just reached out and said, Hey, can I pick your, pick your brain? Can we go to coffee? Whatever that might be. But I was too afraid to ask. Um, and then reading. I, I try and read management books. One of my favorites is radical candor. Um, I feel like that was such a good book for me to read because when I initially thought of what it meant to be, you know, I guess, quote, unquote, a CEO of a company, especially as a woman, like you had to be sort of this like bitchy mentality, right? Like kind of a badass. And that wasn't natural for me. I'm very like goofy and silly. And like that just wasn't me. So I had to pretend I was this person that I wasn't. Um, But at the end of the day, like it is about being candid in yourself. And so that book, for me, I I learned a lot of lessons and it felt really relatable. Um, so I always tell anyone who's like in management to read that. Um, and then, you know, just some courses I've taken online and things like that. And but I guess at the end of the day, it's like every challenge that I've gone through has really been my biggest lesson. So kind of learn by doing at the end of the day. Um, but I mean, I, even like, you know, coronavirus, that's a thing that for so many managers and founders is such a difficult ob- obstacle to overcome and no one really has the right answer it's like how do you manage in this day and age it is so difficult um and so uncharted so every day i guess you're
1: going to kind of come across something that's new and different and hard <laughs> Uh, absolutely you know there's only so much advice that you can give (laughs) um and and it's all helpful and even just like knowing that it was difficult for somebody else I'm sure helps that person just like they can relate they can feel like they're not the only one um but then the other piece of it is exactly what you're saying it's like you Mm -hmm. also just have to go through it because every business is going to have its own unique challenges you as a a person are going to have to like move through them in a different way because we all have our own baggage that we have to work through um and you know it's it's your own individual journey um i'd love to chat a little bit about your online presence personally um mm-hmm. because i think you know th- there are uh, many different approaches um mm-hmm. for you know female founders and female ceos um and you know you have a company where your clients are very public um mm-hmm. some people you know they're like that's that's the focus and that's that's what i'm comfortable with um and then you know we you have we have other we've had a lot of other women on the show who you know they've chosen to create a big instagram presence for themselves or a big online presence you know they're doing great interviews with great publications um and they really Um, are, are, they see the importance of having great PR. Um, even as a PR person, I can only imagine, of course, they're, they see (laughs) the the relevance of PR. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, your own professional journey in that regard, um, and how it's helped your business. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: I, it's funny because I have spent, you know, most of my career promoting the clients I worked with, right? And, it didn't come until I think what did I I had was asked to speak on some panel about something and that's kind of when it all sort of clicked for me that I was like, I am I can be, I guess, my own <laughs> spokesperson for Be Social to get more awareness for our business. Like <laughs> what an idea. Um, so from there I, you know, one of our PR girls on our team, you know, she dedicates some time um, kind of navigating some of that for me. Um, and luckily some of that comes inbound interest of just, you know, being interviewed or quotes here and there, or being on podcasts like this one. Um, and I, I love these opportunities and I always see them, you know, bring benefit to the company, whether that's a brand that might be listening to this or, you know, an influencer, or whatever it might be. But. Um, I mean, I obviously always believe in the power of, you know, publicity and press, so it made sense for me to kind of go in my own way of doing it. Um, so press doing, you know, different panels and speaking engagements. Um, and then I guess in my own personal social media, I don't really treat that too businessy. I've gone back and forth on whether or not I do that. There's part of me that sees the benefit in that. Um, I like to keep it, just me, my life, my dog <laughs> type of stuff. But um I think there's more that could be d- done there. And you know, the business realm too. And I've seen, you know, tons of women, you know, do that like Jacqueline Johnson, for example, from Create and Cultivate, I feel like she's done such a great job creating a personal brand around herself that then further promotes, you know, the agenda of Create and Cultivate. So I definitely see tons of value there. But I think that's one thing as an agency, when we get new brands inquiring, we're always like, who's the founder? What's his or her story? Like, what can we do there? Because, you know, I feel like that's so interesting now and consumers want to know who is the founder, who's behind this company. Um, So that transparency is really important and makes, you know, hopefully the story more interesting. Um, So I think if you want to start a company, like be ready to somewhat be in the spotlight um, and put yourself out there because I think it can be to your benefit
1: yeah i mean one thousand percent and um you know if if you're gonna and that's that's the interesting oh hey kiddo how was the hill
0: educational
1: oh learn a new trick
0: yeah the trick to a happy fulfilling life maybe i learned that mountain air unleashes my inner peace and rip and pow while the whole crew's all
2: yoo induces spontaneous joy okay uh
0: That's nice.
1: The Icon Pass lets you do you at 50 destinations worldwide
0: from 249 Adult. Drop in for next winner now and save at IconPass.com. Do you know how many files your employees have uploaded, downloaded, emailed, airdropped, slacked, or shared via Google Drive today? A lot of that data has left your organization, and you don't even know it. Visit Code42.com to learn how Insider prevents data exfiltration.
1: Part about it, right? Like if you're telling your clients that, I guess it's something that you should be doing too. It's funny yeah. though, how like just you know, having uh it's hard to necessarily like self reflect <laughs> mm-hmm. um and it's hard to practice what you preach uh sometimes. But uh it seems like you're doing a great job at it. Um and so, you know, are there any like let's dig a little bit deeper into it? Like if you were advising uh, you know, a new, a relatively newish female founder um, mm-hmm. on you know things that that she should really prioritize. You know, we're talking about the beginnings of a business. Um, what would you tell her to sort of get in line when it comes to like her own brand?
2: Mm-hmm. First, is clean up your social media. <laughs> you know, make a great LinkedIn. Get yourself on Instagram. Clean up that feed. <laughs> um, that would be kind of my first. First piece of advice, Um, I think also too, if you're starting a business, like you know, make sure you have some good content of yourself. Like do a little photo shoot, um, so you have that on hand because that won't will also be used for press, not just your social media. Um, I think that's important. Um, And then just kind of like you know, have like a point of view, I guess, on your social media. And it's like, what is the things that you are posting about? You know, is your business? Is it tips and tricks? Like, what does that look like? And I think also utilizing your own social media for networking purposes. I mean, there's been so many times that I've like come across something and, you know, DM someone and, you know, that, you know, comes to be some sort of cool business opportunity. Um, so I think having a solid presence on Instagram and LinkedIn is really important for any female founder. Um, and then you know, preparing a good bio and you know all of that too, which is you know something that could be used for you know press outreach and all of that. But um, I think it's such like a such a benefit to have such, like a founder facing you know company and presence. And I feel like we're seeing that more and more um, with all these exciting female founded companies that are you know coming out. But it's definitely kind of a newer thing, and I, I highly advise to get out
1: there. Yeah, and like it's one of those things that pays dividends too because, I mean, I'll speak personally, like when I see – you know, a Jacqueline Johnson out there or mm-hmm. or the like. Like, I'm so inspired. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a great, incredible community that you're building. You're inspiring other women to do the same. Like, you're brave enough to put yourself out there and to celebrate all the incredible accomplishments that you're achieving. So, mm-hmm. you know, it is, I agree with you. It seems to be like a, a new ish movement that it's like very much a trend that I'm seeing. I hope it continues because it's really inspirational. Yeah,
2: yeah definitely.
1: Yeah. And so let's pivot a little bit. Um, let's talk about getting new business. We actually just recently had a whole entire event um, in WIM about uh, new business pitching um, mm. because people are like, I mean, all right, like a lot of people have paused campaigns. A lot of mm-hmm. business has just been put on hold. I want to keep my um, my skills sharp. Um, and we need to get out there. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it's really interesting that your business is, you know, multifaceted in that you guys are representing influencers. You're also doing brand partnerships. Um, there's a lot of new business pitching out there. What, what are some of the like, you know, best practices that your team implements? Um, or what are some of the great things that you've just sort of learned over the years that'll really like nail that pitch? Mm hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, we're definitely all feeling the effects of, you know,
2: the pandemic and certainly like marketing, especially is one of the first things to kind of get hit by this. So we also seen, you know, some campaigns pause and things like that. So we luckily were pretty much up until recently getting inbound leads. So we were turning down business left and right. And now we're in a space where that doesn't happen as much. And so we've had to be much more proactive. Um, so we are going out to brands that we're interested in. We're, you know, pitching them cold, some of them warm. Um, but I think where you really are able to showcase who you are and why you'd be a benefit to this particular potential client is when you get on the phone with them. And I, From just personal experience being sold so many things as a business owner, like there's things that I just don't like and things that I do like. And I really like more of a, you know, real, candid, kind of humble approach versus someone who's just like constantly over promising and just saying things to say them using tons of like marketing jargon that means nothing. I like honestly can't stand that. (laughs) So. I I just get on a call like it's a friend and talk through like, what are your challenges? What do you need? like And then just explain and introduce myself and what our company does and some of the cool things that we've done um, and really try and make it just like an easy conversation and not like I'm overselling something. Because what we do, it's like, it's very clear what we do. Um, and so it's really they're buying and there's so many companies that do what we do, right? So they need to buy into me and my team, not necessarily the service. So they have to like me, I guess, at the end of the day. Um, so just be real, humble, candid. Have just like a, a true conversation like it would be your friend. Um, and then we typically uh, will follow up with you know an in-depth proposal. I think making sure you have really clear case studies and showcasing the work you've done for other like-minded brands is extremely important. Um, everyone has kind of told me to condense proposals, make them really short and simple. I've ignored that. Ours are really long. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, the more information we can send through, the better. I mean, literally sometimes they're 40 pages long. So And everyone's like, they need to be no longer than 10. I don't really know what they should or shouldn't be, but it's been working so far. Um, And yeah, and then typically like we would normally invite, you know, that potential client into our office, meet our team. That doesn't happen now. So we've just been doing Zoom conferences. Um, And yeah, that's typically how the process works. But I think just like,
1: don't be a cheesy salesman at the end of the day. (laughs) please do not be a cheesy self, man like I just don't know who that works on (laughs) I don't know
2: but it's just like I feel like people it's just like everyone does it though I'm sold stuff all the
1: time you're totally no you're completely right like I wish it wasn't true but you're completely (laughs) right it's like the way that we should be or something yeah um, but it, but it's, it couldn't be furthest from the truth. Um, and I, I, I think it's just a really great way to approach it. It's so smart, like sometimes the the most brilliant things I've experienced in my life are actually the most simple, which mm-hmm. is what you were saying. It's so true. I mean, there's a lot, I mean, like there's so many companies that do what you guys do. So like, what's going to set you apart at the end of the day? It's like, do I want to work with this person for the next few months? Yeah, exactly. Do I, do I like them? Do I think they're capable, smart, hardworking? Like, they're fairly simple things, but like, those, those are really important and not to be, um, not to be missed as part of the pitch and part of what's important too. You know, whether it's a 10 page deck, a 50 page deck, um, that's, uh, that, that's important. Um, mm-hmm. but there's other personal things as well. And I do think that, um, especially women starting out in the industry, um, this takes time to learn. It takes time to like feel comfortable enough in your own skin and in who you are to pitch yourself and to just be, be you and know the value that you bring mm-hmm. um to the business. So I'd love to sort of hear your, you know, your journey in that, um, you know, like you've worked for other people before and then you've started your business and your business has had an evolution um, you know, talk, walk us through, like, have there been moments where, you know, you've sort of struggled with, with confidence or you've sort of struggled with, you know, parts of your business, things like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you triumphed. Um, I, we, I guess everyone would love, love to hear some of those stories. Yeah, definitely.
2: I, I started my business. I was. 23, 24 years old. So I'm coming into this with like very limited experience <laughs> um which in itself I think really was hard for my um ego and my confidence. So I definitely dealt with imposter syndrome because not only was I the youngest one in the room, lots of times the only female in the room. So there was many times where I was like, what am I doing? Like I'm I'm not ready for this. Um, but I, looking back, like that certainly was not the case whatsoever. Um, so I think imposter syndrome, honestly, is something I've dealt with even today. Um, and I think a lot of people, founders, people in business do all the time. So that's something that just doesn't really go away. Um, I think there's also been moments where you know, I would just be so upset about a certain thing that had happened within the organization or, you know, really big loss of a client or a client being very upset and just feeling so, I mean, there's many nights where it's just sleepless nights of just, you know, not being able to, you know, get over something that had happened. Um, those are times I wish I would have just picked myself up a little bit better for sure. And there's also been on like the opposite, like really pivotal moments in which you know, changed the company and really made me feel like, oh my gosh, we're, we're making it like we're a real thing. One of those moments was when we got a contract with Disney to launch um, one of their, it was the mini style Instagram account. And I was just so real, like, you know, growing up, like loving Minnie Mouse and loving Disney. And I'm like, I'm I was like 26 years old getting a contract with Disney to do this huge campaign. I was shocked. Like I couldn't even believe we had done that. Um, So there's moments like that that were also so exciting. I think like the biggest thing with, you know, owning a business is just like, there's so many ups and downs. I guess it's like anything in life, but I think when you're a founder of a company, you spend 24 seven working on it, it really becomes sort of your identity. And so every little challenge feels so personal but every win feels really really good and personal too. So kind of a constant up and down feeling for me.
1: <laughs> a lot I I can relate. <laughs> yep. There's just yeah, there's a lot of ups and downs and so it is as much as the downs hurt like when you're up like it feels better than you can imagine like it all it arguably makes it all worth it because <laughs> mm-hmm, you have mm-hmm. these incredible wins and you know yep. if you if you expand it and you're not a solopreneur but you are an entrepreneur and you have a team then you get to celebrate it with all these people who are part mm-hmm. of that um mm-hmm. you know what has it been like over the years growing this business to be beyond yourself like growing a team now
2: mm-hmm yeah I
1: mean honestly it's again
2: like ups and downs there too. I've made really great hires, I've made bad hires. I've, you know, made poor management decisions and good management decisions. So, you know, it's it's a roller coaster truly and I think, you know, you're bringing so many different personalities and emotions and, you know, that these are people that are working on, you know, your dream. So, there's a lot that goes into it. Um But, you know, growing a team is not easy. Mentoring, growing, and all of those things go back into, you know, being a good manager and learning what all of that means. Um, which has, like I said before, has been a challenge for me. Um, but I feel like it is so exciting to have these people that like, you know, the company gets to pay and they get to do work that they love. And we're all like working for this you know, end goal, like that feels like this, like fun little community that we have. And, you know, we all have similar skill sets and we know about, you know, influencers and marketing and, you know, it is nice to feel that and to have that. And I'm just like, so thankful for the team that I do have and how, you know, I get to learn from them and we all learn from each other. And it is a, it is a fun feeling. It's like growing this like little family and, um, you know, again, like had tons of challenges in it, but I feel like now more than ever, I'm in such a better headspace and place to, you know, manage a team and understand what motivates people and how to recognize, reward them and make them feel important because, you know, they are important and without them, you know, this isn't anything. So, and just, I guess at the end of the day, really thankful for all of them.
1: Yeah, no 100% hiring is um <laughs> arguably one of the more difficult parts of growing your company um especially when you're First, starting out, you know, sometimes it can be really hard to get those first key hires. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you are going to be the one who's completely championing your own business and you know exactly mm-hmm. how amazing it is. Um, but not a lot of people may know that yet. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, getting people to buy into that and, you know, ideally, incredible people that you believe in to buy into that, like, it's hard. It takes time mm-hmm. um, to find those people, to like cultivate those relationships relationships, like, realistically, um, and then convert them into really great hires. But, you know, also, as a business owner, like, as being someone who's interviewed people time and time again, People, of course, they say everything you want to hear in an interview. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, of course, they, they're they perfect in an interview and they nail it because that is a very different skill set in interview mm-hmm. versus like mm-hmm. actually doing the job. Um, yep. And so that's hard. And you're working with human beings and like human beings are just, you know, it, it kind of it, it's related to management, you know, hiring is its whole thing um do you, does your team tend to go through recruiters and or you know basically get help in hiring or do you guys you know just continue to sort of source people through connections that you guys have
2: we've um we've tried recruiters in the past um we typically will just do ads on linkedin Um, and then we have just a careers email that we collect resumes. Um, we thankfully get a handful, honestly, every day. Um, but yeah. And then we also try and use employee referrals. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a handful of different things that we utilize. Um, I know a lot of, you know, founders or entrepreneurs have a great success with, um, recruiters. So definitely want to look into that a little bit more, um, But yeah, we kind of use a
1: few different avenues right now. Yeah. And like, there's so many tools out there at your disposal. Wim even has, you know, job listings that you can post within our network. Um, Mm -hmm. I've personally found that the best hires that I've ever made are just through personal networks. It's just word of mouth. Mm -hmm. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, someone and you trust them and putting out there in the universe saying, like, hey, I'm looking for this type of person. Like, can you, do you have anybody that you think would be great? Some Mm -hmm. of those referrals have been absolutely the best hires they've ever made. Um, and so you find those people. Then the trick, of course, is retaining those people. Um, we're in a very interesting, um, we're in a very interesting industry that uh, my perception, at least, is that, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, it's very female oriented, which is amazing. It's the, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the, the premise of whim. Um, So we've got all these women who are like bouncing around fairly frequently. It's so rare to see somebody in this industry be, you know, at a company for a really long time, unless they're the founder of that company. <laughs> and so, you know, what have you learned um once you've gotten great employees of ways to keep them around? Well, money speaks first off,
2: but I also think there's just like a recognizing of people are going to work for you and people are going to leave. And I think that's just kind of the nature of it, especially millennials. I'm a millennial, but I'm talking like I'm not, but I think there's, you know, this way of kind of figuring out what you want to do. And I'm going to try and work for an agency. Maybe I'll go to a brand. Maybe I'll do this and that. So I think there's, you know, at some point you have to realize there's kind of this like one to two year Period that you might retain an employee, and then they might be ready to go after that. I used to get really in my head about like, oh, why is this person leaving? Why would they do that? But I'm like, put myself in my shoes. It's like you kind of want to figure out and try a few different places to really land on what you love. Um, and the agency life is not for everyone. I feel like it notoriously has like high turnover. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, when you have a good one, you want to keep them. Um, and so I think you know things like salary and bonuses more perks, um, but also just like recognition, you know, telling them they're great and how much you love them and need them. <laughs> um and that kind of goes back to being radically candid, right? Um but yeah, I think, you know, we've you know, I've been in the the place where I've had an employee say, like, you know, hey, this company reached out to me, recruited me, and is offering me ten thousand dollars more a year. I don't wanna leave, but money speaks. Like what can you do? And I've been in the place where I've had to hand over that extra 10,000 because they, you know, I wanted to keep them. Um, But I think really it's kind of from day one, the training and how you mentor them and how you, you know, pull them into your organization and train them and um, how they feel involved or not involved and connected with you and your vision. Um, It's probably
1: some of the best things you can do to, you know, keep people engaged and interested in what you're doing. I that's really great to hear. Um, absolutely money speaks. Don't be that stingy company. I've personally mm-hmm. worked for those stingy companies and like you'll just always grow to present them. So don't be that company. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other perks to, you know, besides monetary perks as well. So look, mm-hmm. realistically, if you're just starting out and you don't have much to pay, just be frank about that. Like, don't hide yeah. behind it either. Like, just say like, we're just starting out but like I can give you this instead I can give you that like you can give equity to your company if somebody really believes in Mm -hmm. your company like there's other bits of value that you can bring for sure I've also heard a lot from other people like really unique things these days like uh I don't know how unique this is, but you know, people. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people say, you know, when you first get started at a company, just really the onboarding is so mm-hmm. the most important
2: part. Yeah.
1: yeah, and it's like really just that transition. I mean, you have to realize in a lot of cases, if you're, especially if you're recruiting great talent, they're coming from probably another really great role. They left that role to are taking a big chance or changing their Mm. lives to come and start and work with you. And so that transition can be huge. Again, like this is the human element of it. And so, you know, at the minimum, just sort of acknowledging that, but then like cultivating that transition for them so that you know, they feel prepared and set up for success. They, they feel integrated into your culture. Um, all these things are so, so important and there's so much to it. (laughs) I know. Oh my gosh. It's, it's wild. Like there's just so many parts of it. Um, and so it's just, you know, there's no way that we could talk about all the nuances of it today. I feel like we probably should do an event just about mm-hmm. that topic alone, because you can talk about it for at least an hour. Um, mm-hmm. But if if you can take, if anyone listening can take anything away, just to focus on it and to recognize how incredibly important it is, um, that's really, really, really key. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
2: Sports, and it can feel, when in the beginning, it can feel really overwhelming, like, There was a point where I had great employees, but like, I didn't have enough revenue and cash to provide medical insurance or any insurances. And I felt so frustrated by that. And I think that's what's so hard as a small business. is like, you want to give your employees these perks and these, you know, these different things, but you, you can't. So one way to do that is, you know, the training and the mentorship and the opportunity within the organization, things that don't cost money initially. Um, and when you do get to that point where, you know, you can get health insurance and you can do some of those things for your employees, it'll,
1: it'll mean a lot to them. For sure. And it's a, you know, it's it's a great, the mentorship thing I've heard quite a bit. Um, it sort of like circles back to what we were talking about before, like personal branding, like If you've done a great job at your own personal branding, as a, as a, you know, ideally in this group in particular, female, you know, founder or female CEO, you probably have young women who want to work for you. And it's partially because of that. And so once they get to you, they want to feel like they also have access to you and can be mentored by you. It means so much for their professional growth. And if, you know, And I I feel very strongly that as women, it's so important to give back Um, and just, you know, just to recognize that and to be there for women and to encourage women, especially, you know, who are those young women in those roles, like to ask for things and to say like, hey, could I sit down and take you, can we go to lunch together or Mm -hmm. in a day like today, like can we, you know, can we just set aside like a Zoom call, just, you know, just the two of us. Um, because I would love to just pick your brain. Like, I'd love to hear um, more about you, be able to ask questions, um, mm-hmm. be able to have access to you and learn about your journey. Um, so I, I feel like that's so hugely important. Mm-hmm. This hour has flown by. <laughs> I just looked at the clock.
2: I was like, oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> I feel like we could talk for so much longer. We have to get you more involved in the group. And um, yeah, I, have a, I have a feeling that so many women in the group are going to really want to reach out and ask you a lot of questions because you've got so much varied experience that so many of our members can relate to. Um, but before we let you go, we have to ask you the question that we ask everyone on the podcast, which is... What do you wish someone had told your younger self that would have given you a personal or a professional advantage today? I think the fact that everyone
2: is just figuring it out. I think when I was so much younger, I thought, like, even, you know, when I turned 30, I would know it all. And life would change and I'd be such an adult. But like, here I am, I'm 32, and I feel like I still don't have it figured out. You know, I think there's this perception of what adulthood is and being an adult and being older, but like, or having experience even in something or having worked at a place for a long time. Still, every day, people are still figuring it out on the spot. And I wish I, would have realized that more because I think that would have helped with the whole imposter syndrome.
1: And imposter syndrome is so real though. So don't discount that. And the most <laughs> incredible people I've ever met are like, yeah, I have that real bad. And I'm like, but mm-hmm. you, you yeah. haven't impo- like it doesn't, it, your perception of yourself is so different sometimes from how other people perceive you. So mm-hmm. um so also just don't be so hard on yourself. But that's such, such good advice and I hope everyone listens to that. Um Ali, I I know that people are want are going to wanna get in touch with you. Um what's the best way for them to reach out if they want to follow up? Yeah, definitely. I think Instagram is great. I'm pretty good at responding to DMs. So it's just at A L I Grant. And yeah. Talk to you there. <laughs> Perfect. So we'll list that in the show notes. It's been such a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. Yeah,
2: thank you. This is great.
1: Awesome.
0: Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments, so comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time and thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Tune in next week. There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available
1: until 11 a.m. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.